0: Well, good morning in a rather cold and damp January morning, although the evenings are getting longer which is great, but you know I never used to look forward to this time of year because when I was working as a vet uh, I knew we were entering the lambing season and therefore I was in for a lot of disturbed nights. I must have attended hundreds of lambings and calvings but actually only a handful of foalings. That's because horses are extremely protective of their newborn and they like to give birth in the middle of the night when there are no people around to disturb them. Now, the world is full of horses, so although the birthing process is hidden from us, there's no denying that horses are giving birth to horses. The world is also full of beliefs, and although we may not be aware how beliefs are birthed in people's hearts, there is no denying that beliefs are giving birth to beliefs. In the words of Jesus to Nicodemus, just as flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. There's also no denying that the lives of people all over the world, their actions, their attitudes, are the direct result of the beliefs birthed in their hearts. None of us can escape this truth. All of us are living according to what we're believing about this world and our place in it. Now that being so, I have an important question for you this morning. What do you believe is the gospel? Let me help you. If I asked you to name one verse in the Bible that best summed up the Gospel, which one would you choose? Now I think we both know that most people would go for something else that Jesus said to Nicodemus, recorded in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that verse says that God so loved the world. In other words, here is the measure of how God loves us. He gave us his only Son. So can you see that in these words, Jesus is revealing the Father by pointing to his love. You cannot know God if you do not know his love. For as the Apostle John declared, God is love. So to know God, we need to know his love. And to know his love, we need to see just how much he has given. And here is how much he has given. Here is how much He loves, here is who He is, His only Son. Can you see then that until your eye begin to see just how much was given to us in the giving of Christ, we cannot begin to know the Father in the way He wants to be known. Now let me say that again, until your eye begin to see just how much was given to us in the giving of Christ, we cannot begin to know Father God in the way He wants to be known. Let me use an illustration. There's an old story you may have heard about a young man who was coming to his college graduation and he knew his father would give him a gift on his graduation and he had his eye on a certain car for sale. And so he told his father that he wanted this car as a graduation gift. His father was quite wealthy and he could well have afforded it. On the day of his graduation, so the story goes, the father calls the son into his study and presents him with his graduation present, a beautifully wrapped Bible. Now, the son is so angry at not getting the car that he throws the Bible down on the table. He storms out. Soon after that, he leaves home. He cuts himself off from his father until one year, many years later, he has to walk back into that study again, this time to arrange his father's funeral. And there he sees in his father's desk the Bible he was given as a graduation present. And for the first time, he reaches down and picks it up and he opens it and out falls a key. You guessed it the key to that car and attached to the key is a label which reads paid in full. All those years had gone by and that young man never realized just how much had been given to him by his father and so never realized the love of his father and so for all those years he never really knew his father. Now I don't know if that story is true or not but let me tell you something I do know is true. Jesus told a very similar story. In Luke 15 about two sons who never really knew their father until they got to see the extravagance of his giving. I wonder this morning how true that could be of me. I think I know what is in the Bible but in truth I have yet to discover the true extravagance of the gift given to me and so I have yet to know the Father, the true generosity of the Father. You know for much of my life I thought in the gift of the Bible the Father was saying to me here Learn all this off and one day you'll be ready to receive my gift of eternal life. Whereas in truth, you know, the gospel is not about what I could get one day in the future if I love God enough. Rather, it is the announcement of what has already been given to me because God loved me enough. Can you see then that any gospel that does not reveal just how much was given to us in the giving of Christ cannot bring us to know Father God in the way He wants to be known. Now that is worth saying again, any gospel that does not reveal just how much was given to us in the giving of Christ cannot bring us to know Father God in the way He wants to be known. It is my conviction that in much of the church the way we preach the gospel does not reveal the true extravagance of the Father. And the tragedy of that is that our lives cannot outgrow our beliefs. That's Proverbs 4:23. <laughs> spirit does give birth to spirit. People who believe in a small God live small lives. Have you noticed that the lives of believers cannot surpass their revelation of the Father? Christians who are judgmental, quick to condemn, and apparently always angry at the world are like that. Because in their hearts, that is who they believe God to be like. And you cannot live beyond the borders of what you have believed. If we are living small, self-absorbed, self-conscious, fearful lives, then the root of that is what we have believed. A small gospel produces a small life. You know, there was a film that came out about 30 years ago about a scientist who invented a machine that could shrink things. And he ended up accidentally shrinking his kids. Now everything you needed to know about that film was in the title. It was called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You know, it was so successful that a few years later they brought out a sequel called Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. I remember that one. But do you know the sad thing is that parents do have the power to shrink their kids. My fears, my anxieties, my beliefs, and my unbelief has profoundly shaped the lives of my children for my words have shaped them. And those words were born from my beliefs. Nowhere is that more profound in their lives than the effect on them of what I have believed about God. My beliefs became their beliefs through the words I spoke over them. In the same way flesh give birth to flesh, spirit give birth to spirit. That is what Paul meant, you know, when he said to the Corinthians, I became your father through the gospel. This morning I want to share with you my conviction that the gospel is much bigger, more glorious, more generous and more joyful than we have ever known. Because the lives we were destined to live in Christ have got to be bigger, more glorious, more generous and more joyful than the small lives limited by anxiety that multitudes of us as believers are living today. Let me say that in a different way. If believers are living shrunken lives, it is for one reason and one reason only. Honey, we shrunk the gospel. And when you shrink the gospel, you shrink the kids. If the gospel you're sitting under isn't revealing the enormity of what God has done in the giving of his only son, then there is no power in that gospel to bring about the transformation of your life from someone who has been religiously self-absorbed to someone who lives like a star-struck lover, totally smitten and fulfilled through the love of another. And so living in the awareness of that love so much that their lives are full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, if the gospel you're hearing isn't revealing to you the enormity of what has been freely given to you, then it will have not the power to lift you out of yourself. For how can the Spirit move through a message on what you need to give to God when in the words of the Apostle Paul, that very Spirit has come from God that we may know the things freely given to us by God. That's 1 Corinthians 2.12. What do you think has more power to free you from self-effort? A message about what God requires of you? Or a message about what God has done for you? You see, for years, I thought the Holy Spirit was given to teach me what to do. But here's the truth. The Holy Spirit is given that we would grow in the knowledge of the Father through the Son. For to be filled with such knowledge of God, is to know who you are and what you already have in God your Father. And when you know that, when you know how blessed you are, you won't need anyone to tell you what to do. You know why? Because you'll already be doing it. That's because the faith that comes from God can't help expressing itself through love. In the same way that when you're in love, you don't need instructions on how to kiss. You just can't help doing it. Paul called the gospel the power of God because the gospel he preached revealed God as He really is. And you know, God is so good that you can't know Him for who He really is and remain the same. In fact, knowing Him was always God's way of transforming our lives. As Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. But the truth is not a list of instructions, it is the person of God Himself being told what you need to do never set anyone free because being pointed to yourself can never set you free from yourself. You need a savior to set you free and you are not that savior. You know that's why Paul was so furious when he heard that someone had come along to the Galatians and added to the gospel because he knew that to add to the gospel is to shrink the gospel. To add to the gospel is to shrink the gospel. Some religious men, if you remember, had come along among the Galatians and taken the pure message about God and His love, what Paul called the message of Christ and Him crucified, and added just a little instruction to it about being circumcised. Now that little contamination, that little leaven as Paul called it, changed the whole nature of the gospel from a message about God and His gift to one about you and your work. That little addition Took the power out of the message because being told what you need to do never set anyone free. It was a lie when it was told to Adam in the garden. It was a lie when it was told to the Galatians and it was still a lie when it was written in the last century above the entrance gate to Auschwitz concentration camp. Arbeit macht frei. Work will set you free. No, that is not the gospel and everywhere in every generation Whenever the church has added a little instruction to the gospel, they have taken the power from the gospel. For only the truth can carry the power of the Spirit. And the truth is that you cannot set yourself free by what you could do for God. If you could, you wouldn't need a Savior. That's what Paul meant when he warned the Galatians, that if you believe this different gospel, which is no gospel at all, you will have estranged yourself from Christ. You will have fallen from grace. You see, to fall from grace is to turn your back on the power of God. It's to go back to self-effort. There is no power in self-effort because grace is the power of God, not works. Now, I know many Christians get nervous when you start to talk about grace because in their mind, grace speaks of an absence, the absence of God's judgment. But grace is not an absence. Grace is a presence, the presence of God. Grace is His very life, His Spirit, His empowering to live his life, You see, the gospel is the good news that through Christ, His grace is now freely available for all who want to live in the power of His life. For all who want to live in the power of their own life, there's religion. And what Paul was telling the Galatians is, you cannot mix the two. Add a little religion to your gospel and you will shrink it of power. That's why as soon as Paul heard that the Galatians had tampered with the gospel, he started to question them about where exactly they thought the power came from, by which miracles had been done in their midst. He asked them, Did that power come through your obedience to the law, or through hearing the gospel? Can you hear what he was asking them? Does power come from hearing what you need to give God, or hearing what God has given you? You see, he was warning them that in adding a little self-effort to the message, They had just shrunk the power of the gospel because there is no power in any gospel that points you to yourself. Being told what to do never set anyone free because being pointed to yourself can never set you free from yourself. The gospel is not a revelation of what you need to do to get God to give. The gospel is not a revelation of what you need to do to get God to give. The Gospel is the glorious revelation of the enormity of how much God has already given. And to see how much, to see His only Son, is to see the Father in spirit and in truth. The Gospel doesn't point to you and say, do. It points to Christ and says, done. It doesn't point us to the darkness of self-effort. It points us to the light of Christ. And when we see by His light, when we see life, In the light of how much we have been given, we see ourselves to already have all things in Christ and such knowledge takes an axe to the root of our grasping, selfish life. For when you see that your Father has saved you through the gift of His Son, you stop trying to save yourself. Being told what to do never set anyone free and the power of the gospel is that it reveals the righteousness of God, His very life, not to be something we achieve, but someone we received. Christ, the gift of God's life. The gift, not the reward. You see, there can be no mixing of receiving and achieving when it comes to the gospel because one is of God and one is of ourselves. No matter how zealous they were for God in praying and fasting and sacrificial living, Paul said in Romans 10 that his Jewish brethren could not submit to receive the gift of God's righteousness, Christ, because they were so determined to establish their own righteousness. You see, the grace of God is not a license to sin. It is the power of God to live in union with him. But we can only live in that power of grace to the extent that we submit to receive and live in God's life entirely as a gift. Now, can you do that? Can you put your pride in your back pocket and accept righteousness as a gift Or are you too determined to establish your own righteousness? As long as you are, you will insist on mixing a little law into your life with Christ. And every time you do that, you're stepping back from Christ. You're estranging yourself from participating in the gift of his shared life. You're going back to your old self life. For only a man who sees himself as having a separate life from God, tries to establish his own righteousness. Only a man or a woman who see themselves as having a separate life from God tries to establish their own righteousness. You know, in being married to Nicola, I only have one life, and it is a married life. I don't have a married life and a single life, and to live as if I have would only shrink my marriage. Any gospel that leaves you with the impression that God is looking to you to convince him that you're worth saving is a shrunken, powerless gospel that can only produce a shrunken, powerless life. Because being pointed to yourself can never set you free from yourself. And Jesus came to set you free from that self, that apart from God life. Because in his words, apart from me, you can do nothing. The power of salvation, the power of grace, is that it is precisely not of ourselves. Our self-life. As Paul declared to the Ephesians, the life of God is lived by grace through faith, and this not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Why doesn't God want us to boast? Because only a man who is living a self-made life boasts, and that grieves God, because a boasting man cannot receive grace, which is the power of God, the shared life. So a boasting man is living a powerless life by himself. Let me give you another description of boasting. It's when believers start judging others as less worthy in God's eyes because they have either forgotten or never saw clearly that all they have received from God came as a gift, came by grace. That's why Paul said to the Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not? So we're talking this morning about the Gospel, and I'm saying that the Gospel is the most powerful message in the world. But that power is all of God, not of man. That power is grace, not self-effort. And so whenever in history a little law has been added to the Gospel of grace, power has been stripped from the Gospel. And a shrunken Gospel has only ever borne shrunken believers. Now, I'm not against big churches when I say this, but bigger churches don't change nations bigger Christians do. Bigger churches don't change nations, bigger Christians do. You see, there's no point in building bigger churches if all they can produce is smaller Christians. You know, I've wondered in recent years at how a gospel so leavened with law is tolerated so widely in the church. And I have a growing conviction that the answer to that question may be found in the modern church's obsession with numbers it's always easier to control smaller Christians. Give them a shrunken gospel and they'll never grow out of their fears. So they will keep coming to hear what they need to do in order to be worth saving. You know this morning I've been planting a seed in your life. A truth that if it takes root I believe will bear great fruit and that truth is this. The gospel doesn't point to you and say do. It points to Christ and says done. In pointing to Christ The Gospel is nothing short of the revelation of the nature of God, His love, a love that is so wide and long and high and deep that our hearts capacity to receive this love has to grow and it only grows as we are pointed not to what we need to give God, but to the enormity of what He has given us, Christ, God's very life. Our lives do not grow in the likeness of God through the knowledge of what we need to do for God, but rather In the words of the Apostle Peter, his grace and peace are multiplied to us through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now in light of that, I want you to pause for a moment and ask yourself in all honesty, is the gospel you're sitting under abundantly multiplying grace and peace to you? Let me put that in plainer English. Is the gospel you're sitting under blowing your mind? Is it causing your eyes to grow wide like saucers in wonder? Is it growing you month by month, year by year, into a childlike confidence which is the fruit of a soul feeling so secure and safe in the love of a parent that they never give a thought as to what they need to do to make that parent save them? When we shrink the gospel to a message that will get people to work harder for God in order for us to build a bigger church, we only produce shrunken Christians because there is no power in any gospel that keeps pointing to you. Being told what to do never set anyone free, because being pointed to yourself can never set you free from yourself. When you preach the gospel leavened by a little law, believers never grow out of self-consciousness. How can they? When the gospel they're being raised under always ends up pointing them to their life rather than to Christ's. How can I fix my eyes on Christ? when the church never stops exhorting me to fix my eyes on what needs to be done for Christ. Did you catch that? How can I fix my eyes on Christ when the church keeps exhorting me to fix my eyes on what needs to be done for Christ? How can a bird fly in the liberty of the heavenly realm it was made for when one wing has been nailed to the earth? Preach the law dressed up as the gospel to believers and it nails them to the earthly realm, their self-life, And it has done that in every generation from the time Paul saw it in his generation and wrote his letter to the Galatians even up to 350 years ago when John Bunyan saw it and beautifully summed it up in two lines he wrote run John run the law commands but gives us neither feet nor hands far better news the gospel brings it bids us fly and gives us wings You know, the power that lifts you up to live from the heavenly realm is the grace of God, not the flapping of your arms. If the gospel you're sitting under keeps speaking to you as if God is looking to you to produce your own wings by your own religious efforts, then I have good news for you. Your frustration with your religious life is shared by your heavenly Father, who never called you to live as a chicken, but as an eagle. And there is a world of difference between those two lives. The chicken attempts to get off the earth by his own strength. The eagle allows the wind his wings were made for to carry him up and beyond the earthly realm. So he lives from an entirely higher perspective on life than the chicken. If the gospel you've been raised under is not imparting to you enough breath of God to lift you out of a self-absorbed religious life, nor even bidding you to fly to transcend an earthly, Adamic, self-centered mindset, then you're sitting under a shrunken gospel and our lives cannot outgrow our beliefs. A small gospel produces a small life and nothing shrinks the gospel more than a little law. Everywhere, in every generation, whenever the church has added a little instruction to the gospel, the gospel has shrunken in power for only the truth can carry the power of the Spirit and the truth is that you cannot set yourself free by what you do for God. If you could you wouldn't need a Savior. This morning you have heard the gospel and even though as your head might be saying yes but what do I need to do your heart has already began to do all that is necessary to believe because Spirit gives birth to Spirit and faith is the Spirit that comes by hearing the gospel god bless you well thanks for watching today and if you really felt something spoke to you today or touched you feel free to get in touch and you can do that by just searching river city church ireland on facebook or on YouTube. And I just really believe that as you're just listening to these messages, that something is changing in your life, because the Word of God never returns to him void. God bless you.